This is Shelby Hansen, and you're listening to episode number 11, What to Do When You're Going Through Something Hard. Welcome to the Creating Your Beautiful Life podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Hansen. I'm an invisible illness warrior, kidney transplant recipient, speech and language expert, mom to four, and life coach for people who have gone through incredible health challenges. On this podcast, I teach you how to move forward from difficulty and disappointment into joy and abundance as you take charge of creating your own beautiful life. Hey guys, how's it going this week? I am so excited to talk to you about today's topic because I think that there's something that happens around this time of the year where we all seem to be going through something a little bit extra hard. And so many times we don't know why it feels so hard. And so I want to give you some tips and some ways that you can really treat yourself well Whenever you're going through something hard, especially at holiday time, it can bring up, you know, some sense of loss if you've lost somebody around the holidays or if you have different expectations of what you want this holiday season to look like and that's different from the reality that it's going to be. There's just a lot of things that can happen and especially a lot of people will have flare-ups around the holidays and things going on with our chronic illnesses that Make it just a little bit extra stressful. So I thought this would be a great time to introduce this topic because it's really been front of mind for me um, the past few weeks. So I want to start out with reading you guys a quote. It's by Tara Brack and it says, in any moment, no matter how lost we feel, we can take refuge in presence and love. We need only pause, breathe, and open to the experience of aliveness within us. In that wakeful openness, we come home to the peace and freedom of our natural awareness. So, like I said, we might be finding ourselves in some stressful situations. Could be you're fighting with your spouse or another family member. You might be trying to create a business. You might be fighting with your own body and your illness that you're dealing with right now. You might be wanting to lose weight, be frustrated with what your body looks like right now. So while these situations are not stressful in and of themselves, a lot of times we bring stress to it by the intention that we're bringing to this. Now, please do not confuse what I'm saying. I'm not telling you that you're doing this on purpose. I don't think that people want to bring stress to situations and make their life harder for themselves. What this is about is recognizing how you're perceiving any situation, any circumstance, and understanding why you're having a stress response and really seeing yourself through this. Okay? So if, for example, my spouse says something and I interpret that as, a judgment of me, of my capabilities as a wife or a mother, you can see that I'm going to start to think things and that's going to create stress in my body. Okay. Stress doesn't come from outside of us. We want to believe that, but the good news is if it doesn't come from outside of us, we do have some authority over that stress. 
okay? So say my husband says, oh, so you haven't made dinner yet. <laughs> I don't know if this is a common one at your house. I get the choice of what I'm going to make that mean. However, I might feel like I don't even have a choice because I'm already thinking thoughts about that, those words that he said automatically. If he says, oh, so I see you haven't made dinner yet. If I'm thinking, oh, he thinks I'm a terrible wife. I'm the one bringing the stress to the situation. He might be having his own stress in his body about me not making dinner yet, but I'm creating stress for myself by what I'm thinking. And this is where we hold all the power. Okay. So stress is a feeling. It's a response to our perception, to our thinking about any situation. And for a lot of us, stress feels very familiar. And it's funny because since it feels familiar, sometimes it feels uncomfortable if we are trying to react in a way that is not creating stress. So much so that we create stress to go back to that familiar pattern. So strange. And it's just because that's how we've always operated. It's what we've always done. There's nothing wrong with it other than if it's bringing us a result we don't want, then we can learn another way. Okay. So when you have, for example, if you have a body that has chronic illness, your body might have stress from the parts that aren't working optimally. Plus there's the stress that you're putting on top of that, uh, of those parts of your body that aren't working optimally. You put stress on your body because you want it to just do its job, right? So you can see how it compounds, right? And we always think that something outside of us is going to decrease the stress and it's going to make things easier. And here's the good and the bad news. We are in charge of the stress we feel. We are in charge of the reaction that we have to that stress. So if I am in a situation where my husband says, hey, I see you haven't made dinner yet. If I have that automatic stress come up because I'm thinking thoughts like, I'm not good enough. I should have already done this. I'm a terrible wife. All of that. The skill that I need to learn here is to recognize and slow down my thinking and understand I'm feeling fear right now. I'm feeling stress. Okay. So once I recognize I'm feeling stress, I'm the source of my stress, then I can lean into that stress, feel it in my body. And then after I've acknowledged it and felt it, then I can pivot can pivot to a new emotion that I want to operate out of. I think that this is the most beautiful piece of self-care that anybody can give themselves. Not resisting our automatic reactions, really giving ourselves compassion in the moment, and then making an active decision afterwards. This is not a skill that is taught in our society. Our society teaches us that other people outside of us cause us to feel bad. And because of that, we get in this victim mentality because if other people are in charge of how we feel, then I can never feel better unless they change. And we know how often people change and how often they change in a way that we want them to. 
just interesting because we're trying to control them because we feel like we can't control ourselves. So, okay. So we are in charge of the reaction that we have to that stress. When we add fear to that level of stress and keep piling on more and more resistance and negative emotion, that's when stress can reach a breaking point. And to be honest, there are some things that I want to feel stressed about. And instead of gaslighting myself and telling myself not to feel stressed about it, I've learned and am continually practicing the skill of allowing stress. When I don't resist it, the stress is allowed to exist. I'm not pushing it away. I'm not denying it and making it worse. Okay? So I have a little example for you. Um, If I find out that I have labs from a blood draw that are kind of wonky, I know I'm going to feel stress about it. I might not want to feel stress in the future, but I know my brain has reacted to my lab levels so that when they're off so often that I know I'm probably going to react with some fear and some stress, okay? Now that I know that I do that, I can make it my job ahead of time to decide what I will do with the stress and the thoughts that are creating the stress. So as far as labs go this week, I actually found out that one of my immunosuppressant medications is too low in my bloodstream. So I got a call from my transplant team. Now, nothing too terrible has happened yet. (laughs) I say yet. (laughs) And, you know, it probably won't. But even now you can tell, like, I'm thinking about past situations and I'm noticing my brain wants to go to fear and stress because I'm thinking thoughts like, oh man, the last time this happened, I ended up having to get my blood drawn uh, every week for six months. And this is probably going to happen again. And why can't they leave my medication the same? And if we go out of town, I have to figure out how to get my labs drawn out of town. And you can see where my brain is going with this. Instead of taking this one small piece of information that my labs showed that this medicine is not optimally where the doctors want it, I'm looking to my past and I'm letting the past drive how I want to think about this current situation. That's okay. We do this all the time. And this is where the self-compassion comes in. So I could talk bad about myself to myself. I could trash talk me for going to that place again and telling myself I'm scared over nothing. Or I could choose thoughts that generate love and compassion. Like, I know this feels scary, Shelby, but I'm going to take care of you. Or... I know you don't like getting your blood drawn and the anticipation and waiting for the results. And that's okay. You can reach out to your support groups to help you through this. Instead of brushing myself off, I like to pretend that I'm taking care of the scared six-year-old version of myself who just doesn't get it. Because our sweet primitive brains, like I've told you about in previous podcasts, I think they function at about the level of a six-year-old maybe a four-year-old, but this primitive part of our brain wants to keep us protected. It wants us to avoid danger, conserve energy, and seek pleasure. Going and getting my labs drawn and waiting and seeing if my blood levels are going to respond in my little six-year-old brain, my primitive brain, 
she's thinking, this is dangerous. It's going to take too long. And maybe we won't have enough energy. And this does not sound like fun. (laughs) So it's like, if your kid thinks there's a monster in the closet, which thing is going to help them? Like you yelling at them, like, get back in bed. There's no monster. Maybe it could help in the short term, but they're probably going to come back out. Maybe they're crying. Or doing a thorough check and like really reassuring them like there's no monster in the closet. Here's the flashlight. Like we can check it out. There's nothing in here. We'll leave a, uh, we'll have a nightlight on. Which one of those approaches calms their nervous system? It's that one where you're really seeing them and understanding and trying to listen to them, right? To want that reassurance. Our primitive brains crave the same thing. It wants that reassuring. It wants that loving guidance. It wants certainty in uncertain situations. Now, even though it's uncertain what will happen if I change my medication and I go get the blood draw, there's so many things I don't know about. What I do have control over is how I'm going to see myself And how I'll take care of myself through that. Am I going to be mean to myself or am I going to show up with compassion and love? That's what I have control over. And I have control over whether I add to my stress that I realize ahead of time is already going to be there. Am I going to add to that stress and stress out that little sweet little six-year-old version of myself who's like, please just help us. They want to put needles in us. How am I treating her? Am I treating her, telling her to shut up? It's fine. Just go in and do it. I mean, sometimes we might do that. But in the long term, that version of us wants to know that they can trust us, that we have their best interest as our highest good, that we're going to take care of them. Okay. So another tip I want to give you is when you are going through something particularly challenging, I like to think about the lenses that we look at life through. So if you think about a camera, I'm not a great photographer, but different cameras have short lenses and long lenses, okay? So one lens would be a lens that keeps everything in focus really far away. Like everything in the whole picture is in focus. The stuff up front, the stuff in the back, everything's clear. Then there's another lens that you can put on that will just make it so that you just focused on the close up image in front of you, the close up thing that you're taking a picture of. So when things are going pretty well for you, I think it's fine to have that long lens on. That's when we want to dream. That's when we want to be looking into the future and thinking about what's going to happen in the next week, month, year, years. When our stress is low and our challenge levels are low, that's when we want to be looking at life through that kind of a lens. However, when you are going through something really challenging, the first thing you need to do is shorten your lens. Instead of thinking about what's going to happen next month, next week, tomorrow, the next hour, I've been through some challenging things where I literally had to shorten my lens to the next minute. And it's okay because our brains, they're not wired to take on all of the stress when we're going through a challenging situation 
and be worried about everything outside of us. It's really important to just focus on the next step that is the best step for you, the kindest, most loving step. If it's taking a bath or taking a nap or calling a friend, whatever that is, really shortening your lens and not letting yourself feel bad about it. Really seeing yourself with ultimate self-compassion. And I will tell you, the more compassionate you're able to be with yourself and fully accept your diagnosis, your life, any challenges, the more compassion you give to that piece of yourself, oh my goodness, it allows you to amplify the empathy and compassion that you give to others. People can feel it. You can't offer more empathy and compassion to somebody else than you're willing to give yourself. Okay? So reach out for support. You don't have to go through a tough time alone. I like to think if I would help somebody else out in the situation that I'm going through, just think about how you would feel if somebody reached out to you. If they were going through what you're going through, would you tell them to leave you alone and you're not going to help them? I don't think so. I think you'd help them. And that helps me to be more open and willing to receive when I'm going through something really hard. I don't know if I've shared on the podcast before, but I've put it on some Instagram uh, captions. I, I think maybe Facebook too. I made it a challenge for myself about five years ago that if anybody ever asked me if they could help out, even if it was just like, just let me know if there's something I can do to help, which a lot of people say because, you know, for me, I think that they, they want to help. I made it a rule in my head. This is well, especially while I was on the kidney transplant list that I had to say yes, no matter what. This was such a big stretch for my brain because I am a very independent person. I'm sure you are too. It's kind of what gets us into trouble with chronic illness. (laughs) So I made it so that if somebody asked, I either had to say yes on the spot for the help and tell them what they could do to help. Or if I really couldn't think of anything in the moment, I made a promise to myself that I would consider what is it that they can do. And then I had to go back and tell them, yes, please help me with this thing. And oh my goodness, I can't tell you how much it opened up my life to love, allowing people to love and me loving them. So powerful. Once your big challenges have passed, and even in the midst of them, sometimes depending on what they are, I would encourage you to get coached because I think it's so helpful to consider another perspective after you're through with that challenge to really play with it and see what you've learned, see what you've grown into, see what you've become. More than one thing can be true at the same time. That's a really advanced concept. I should do a whole podcast on that. But it could be true that this is really hard and it's exactly what you needed to get you to the level that you know you're capable of being at. Okay. So if I was to do some self-coaching on the future of me getting some lab draws, 
I'll give you a little bit of glimpse of what I might do if I was coaching myself. I would write down everything I thought about getting a lab drawn. I'm going to get it next week. So write down every thought that I have about it. My second step would be to separate out my thoughts from facts. Our brain offers us thoughts all the time and tries to sell us on on the idea that our thoughts are facts. So many of them are not. I have to go get my blood drawn. That is a thought. Nobody's holding a gun to my head. I don't have to do it. I want to because I want to take care of my body. But when I think I have to go get my labs drawn, that creates stress. When I think I want to get my labs drawn to take care of myself, that creates love. And that's part of the third step, which is recognize what feelings are coming up. There might be a lot of stress coming up if I just dump everything that I'm thinking. The fourth step is to really see what my actions are from those feelings that are coming up. Am I scrolling social media more? Am I trying to avoid? Am I eating things in order to stop thinking about what could go wrong? What are my actions? Because those actions are coming from the stress. The lab draw is not causing me to eat some extra things that I may not want to. Stress would cause me to do that. Coming from the thinking, I've got to get these labs drawn. Something might be wrong. The fifth step is to look at your actions and see if you like the results that are coming from your actions. If I'm eating a whole bunch of cookies because I'm feeling stressed and I don't want to feel stressed, so I think if I eat cookies, it'll make me feel better. I'm not going to like the result of those actions, right? Okay. So for example, my circumstances going to the lab next week to get a blood draw. I could be thinking, I hate getting my blood drawn, which leaves me with a feeling in my body of resistance. And then from that resistance, I don't plan it. I don't plan when I'm going to get the blood drawn. I ruminate on all these terrible experiences in the past. I try to distract myself by going on social media or eating something that's not on my plan. From resistance, I'm short with my kids. I tense up. I feel like I'm having a panic attack on the drive and in the waiting room. And my result is I end up hating how I'm showing up in my life. And you know, I might not be able to get to love where I love getting my blood drawn, but I can ladder myself to a feeling that I do want, something that I can believe, okay? And an emotion that I know serves me well and doesn't necessarily feel that great, but really helps me is the emotion of determined. And I know that I am determined to take care of my body because I love her and I love me. So, While I go get my blood drawn, I could be thinking, I hate this and that's okay. I'm doing this to take care of myself. And while it might not feel like love in the moment, it's a much more forward-facing emotion. One that is going to feel so much better than this resistance. 
So I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode. I hope that it can help you as you go through any challenging times to really see yourself and to give yourself love and compassion that you so freely give to others. Let's give it to yourself too. All right, have a great week and I'll see you on the podcast next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you're looking for a life coach to work with, what are you waiting for? Let's coach together today. Hope you have a wonderful week creating beauty wherever you go.